Well, we are closing out the book of Ecclesiastes today. Can I get some applause or some awes? I don't know what, where you are on the end of the spectrum. Some of you are like, I'm so glad to be done with this book. It's so depressing. Uh, some of you are like, no, I've, I've really enjoyed this. And you're kind of emo, to be honest with you, uh, if you liked Ecclesiastes. No, but really, uh, we said it from day one. that This is not positive, encouraging K-love, but it's honest. Right, And we've seen God work through just exposing the realities of life and, and to see how do we live in the midst of these realities. And so I hope it's been a blessing to you. I think we're going to end it that way as well. But I just got to piggyback on some things George said about next weekend and just kind of where we're going. We're closing out this book and this series today. And then next weekend, we have Good Friday and Easter. And you probably hear about those things in the church all the time. These, this isn't just a big event for our church. This is the most important event in all of history, amen? Jesus' death and resurrection, if it really happened, the Son of God coming down to earth, dying for our sin to save us from hell and and reconcile us to himself, if that really happened, that is worth celebrating, and so that's why we make a big deal out of it. And so we have, we have Good Friday where we focus on the death of Jesus. And then Easter Sunday, we focus on the resurrection of Jesus. And there's so many things that happen on Easter Sunday that you really need to prepare for. Uh, you see, we uh, just kind of stumble into Easter often. It's a busy season of life. And maybe you kind of plan for Easter Sunday in that you get a nice hat or that you get a new Sunday best or an outfit. And, and the reality is we need to prepare in different ways than that. And uh, one of the ways you can do that is to take your Lent devotional. Uh, some of you are thinking, what? Yeah, we gave it to you several weeks ago. And, and some of you have been tracking with us as we fasted and prayed and, and readied our hearts for Easter weekend. And what I would tell you is, even if you're like, Tim, I forgot that, I, I lost that, you need to pick it back up this week because it has uh, things in Holy Week of Thursday, Thursday, Friday, and just as you prepare your heart for this weekend to really engage and lean into this time and make the most of this time. So I would encourage you to do that. If you're thinking, I have no idea where that Lent devotional is, you can grab one on your way out or you can go online and see a digital copy there. So that's one way. Get with your roommates, get with your spouse and say, hey, let's just go into Easter different this year and focus on Jesus. The second way is financially and with generosity. Many of you know who've been a part of our church. Every single Easter, we give all the money that comes in away. And this year, we're giving it to uh, the Jim Foundation in Uganda. Many of you who came to our vision night saw a video just showing you how that ministry cares for severe special needs of kids and, and houses them and then eventually places them in a home. And we have some people in our church who are very tied to that ministry, and we're so glad to support them on Easter and give out and see love moves, our tagline as a church in action. And uh, what I would just say is prepare to give. We're asking for $10,000 to be our goal. And as your pastor, you just need to know, I'm praying we blow that out of the water. Uh, I'm praying we give way beyond that. And here's how you can do that. Many of you, this works out great because you get paid on the 15th and Easter Sunday is on the 17th, amen? And so you can prepare for that paycheck that comes in. Some of you are getting your tax refund this week, or you already got it. And what would it look like for you as a single person with your roommates, as a married couple, as a family, just to say, hey, whatever we get in, we want to be generous off the top, in particular this Easter Sunday. And so I would encourage you to plan for that. 
And then I would also encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family members, invite your coworkers. Easter Sunday is the one Sunday where people who don't go to church and don't know Jesus will come to church if they are invited. And the reality is because it's a traditional kind of thing, people are looking for a church to go to, but if that's not a part of their life, they don't know where to go. And so they're just waiting for you at Phoenix Bible Church to invite them. And so invite your friends. Don't miss this opportunity to love your neighbor by inviting them to church. And then lastly, as, as, as uh, George talked about, there's baptisms. If you've never been baptized, there is no better Sunday to do it than Easter Sunday. It's the day where we celebrate Jesus went from death to life. And that's exactly what you celebrate in baptism. And so if you were baptized as a little baby, listen, that was a great day for your parents, but this could be a great day for you as you take ownership of your faith and walk in obedience to what God has called you to do. And that's really your first step. So if you wanna get baptized, go to the website and register. You can take the connect card that's in the seat back pocket in front of you, fill that out, drop it off at the connect desk. If you have questions, then we'd love to walk you through that. There's a lot of things going on on Easter weekend, and so we had to get those all in, uh, but I'm so excited to close out Ecclesiastes, and uh, I don't know about you, I just need to pray again as we open God's word, and then we're going to dive in. Would you pray again with me? Uh, God, we do pray right now that you would, as much as we hope you move next weekend, God, we pray that you move right now. Uh, God, give us clear eyes to see what you want us to see in your text today. It's, it's a little bit confusing at times, and there's poetry and there's instruction. And God, I pray that you would just move me to the side and your word would be clearer than ever. God, it would inform, but also affect every part of our lives. We pray that right now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Uh, we're gonna start in verse seven. We're gonna go to the end of chapter 12. And I wanna start it this way. Uh, my wife and I, we have three kids. They're 12, nine, and six. And what's crazy is they're all about to be a little bit older. I, I know, it's crazy, do the math. They're all like 12, nine, and six is about to turn into 13, 10, and seven. And what's crazy is you don't really realize this about your kids, right? Because parents, you know this, like the days are long, but the years are short. And so unless you kind of stop intentionally to reflect, you don't really realize how, how old your kids are getting until you look at pictures. And my youngest daughter, she's about to turn seven and she's kind of realizing that she's no longer a baby. And she's realizing that because she sees all the babies in this church. Like y'all took the command, be fruitful and multiply seriously at Phoenix Bible Church, okay? So my little daughter, she's seeing all these little babies and she's like, I'm no longer a baby. And so what she's doing that's so cute is she's going back and looking at pictures and videos of when she was a baby. Isn't that sweet? And so she's got this one particular video that she's just watching on repeat right now. And just the, the short story of the video, if you can picture it, is my, my son, who is a little bit older than her, uh, and, and my baby girl, Tanavi, uh, they're both dressed up in costumes. And my son has a ninja outfit on, and my little daughter has a, a puffy kitty outfit on with a tail and everything. And my wife and I were talking about this as I got ready for this. I was like, was that, which, which Halloween was that? And we both decided it wasn't Halloween. It was just a day in the life of the Birdwells, right? And they were just dancing around in their costumes. And so my son, he's got this ninja outfit on and he's just going around kicking stuff and spinning around and doing all this thing. And what you see is my little daughter, my baby girl at this time, she's got this puffy kitty outfit on, but she thinks she's like a ninja kitty. And so she's watching her brother. And so she's like doing the same thing in her kitty outfit and just running around. And what my little daughter does is she watches this video of herself as a baby and she just laughs hysterically. 
over and over and over because she can't get over the fact she is getting older. You see, we, we often don't realize we're getting older and that applies to all of us. It applies to me. Like my, my, my beard has some gray hairs in it. And some of you know that because you tell me that after church. Like, thank you. <laughs> and no matter what stage of life you're in, you know you're getting a little bit older. Now, why, why start with that? To just depress all of us? No, right? Because Solomon starts with that in this passage. He talks about and addresses this reality that wherever you are in life, you're getting a little bit older. And he talks about how do we make the most of our days? Specifically, as he ends the whole book, he says, the, the, this matters at the end. And, and he thinks about, hey, on your last day, how are you gonna make all these days count in between? And so we want to dive into that today. And so we're going to look at that, and it's going to be a little bit confusing at times. Solomon gives us some instruction, then he gives us a poem, and then he ends with some more instruction. So we're going to read that together and break it down, and we're going to summarize it with four imperatives. So if you take notes, uh, our first two imperatives are this, rejoice and remember. Rejoice and remember. We're going to start reading this and just break it down. So Ecclesiastes 11, we'll start in verse seven. And it says this, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives, lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them, but let him remember that if the days of darkness will be many, all that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Here's our confusing poem about aging and dying. Verse two, it says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and the one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the will broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, that's that word, hevel of hevels, puffs of smoke, says the preacher, all is vanity or a puff of smoke. So there's a lot there, but here's what Solomon is saying and trying to describe to you vividly is that we're all getting older. And so how do we make the most out of each one of our days? The first thing is we rejoice and remember. He gives us two things to rejoice in and two things to remember. So he says, rejoice in all your years and in your youth. 
Now, just to be clear, he's not saying like, hey, rejoice if you're 18 or 20 or 22. What he's saying is each day you get a little bit older. And so today you're a little bit younger than you will be. And so rejoice in today. And he gives us imagery of that and that he says, light and sun are sweet and pleasant. Do you see that in verse seven? Light and sun are, are sweet and pleasant. And, and what he's talking about is that if you live in Phoenix, you should be a lot happier, right? Because we have the sun every stinking day, right? And we complain about that, but Solomon says, you should be the sweetest and most pleasant people on the earth because we get the sun every day. Right? I think he is talking about that a little bit, like be grateful for the sun and its warmth in your life. But, but also specifically, what are, we, uh, what are we reminded of every day when we see the sunrise? that we're alive, that we have another day to live. And Solomon says, hey, you should rejoice in that fact. And he tells us kind of how we can rejoice in that. Verse nine, look at that verse. He says, we can walk in the ways of our heart and the sight of our eyes. Verse 10, we can remove vexation or worry or anxiety from our hearts. See, Solomon is saying, hey, one of the reasons why we don't rejoice in life is because we're too worried about our lives. It's the same thing Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. Hey, worrying, it doesn't add a single hour to your life. Hey, you, you seek first the kingdom of God. He's gonna take care of the rest. Don't worry about life, live your life. And that's what Solomon is saying. Hey, rejoice in your life. Live your life. Don't waste it on worry. And some of you, if you paid attention to the text, you see this kind of language of, hey, walk in the ways of your heart and the side of your eyes. And that kind of sounds like, hey, follow your heart. And you're kind of thinking of some other verses in the Bible that say the opposite of that. Like one verse that says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Uh, we kind of crack on people who say, follow your heart. Like, Solomon, what are you saying here? Is this like YOLO and just sin as much as you can because you don't have much life left to live and you're young? Is that what he's saying? No. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, maybe. No, that's not what he's saying, right? Why? Because you rejoice and remember. He's gonna say, you rejoice, but you also remember your creator. Remember, you are not your own. You are someone else's. You are God's. Remember your creator. He also talks about to remember the darkness of life. You see, what I love about Solomon is for one verse, he's like, rejoice, enjoy life, follow your heart. And you're like, I could get, Solomon's gotten so positive. And the very next verse, he's like, but also remember the darkness, Right? And that's what Solomon does. But, but again, he's helping us engage in reality. Hey, rejoice as you remember God and remember that your days are numbered. And then he gives us a poem to describe this vividly. Now, as you, as you look at that poem, you see a succession of images. And as I read multiple commentators, like uh, lots of them would try to be like, hey, this is like that. And they would kind of line item each of the, the word pictures that Solomon gives us, like a spinal, uh, not, sorry, not spinal, um, a silver cord is like a spinal cord. Or grinding is like your teeth. And when you get old, you don't have those teeth to grind anymore. When you get old, like you don't have that silver cord, that spinal cord, it starts to, to hurt. And, and maybe that was it, but I would just tell you, I read like four commentaries and they all said different things. And I think what we try to do too many times with, with poetry and scripture and poems is we overthink it. And what Solomon is trying to do is just show us and have us step back and pull back and see 
that you are getting older and with that comes pain and your body breaking down. Right? And he does show us that with things like weather and a house and a city and nature, that your body and your mind and, and your senses, they don't work like they used to. So you see words like things are getting dim, things are getting lower, you can't hear as well as you used to, things are getting darker. Like when you wake up, life isn't as pleasant or pleasurable as it, it once was. And all of us on some level can, can get this. As someone who's about to turn 40, like I get this like just when I wake up, right? And I'm injured from sleeping. Anybody ever been there, right? You, you walk around, you got like a crick in your neck and somebody's like, hey, what happened? Like a sports injury, like CrossFit? I'm like, no, 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 no. I slept, right? And I'm hurting. And, and all of us, Solomon's telling the truth, isn't he? This is what happens, like, like a city that gets worn down, like your body gets worn down. Things get a little dimmer, a little bit darker as you go. And so Solomon's saying, hey, rejoice and remember God and also remove vexation, remove worry about your life, like make the most out of each day. Because the reality is most of us, we spend a lot of time worrying about life instead of living our lives. You see, we should have parameters in our lives. We should have, like, God gives us the Proverbs that are really practical. Solomon wrote a lot of, a lot of those. He's going to reference them a little bit later. We should have parameters in our lives of like, hey, this is wickedness. This is sin. God makes that clear in Scripture. But within a framework, I'm going to remember God, and I'm going to rejoice in life. Listen, Christians should be the most joy-filled people in the world. Right? Well, I, I know there's Russia and Ukraine. I, I know there's still inklings of a pandemic. I know there's the conflict that you have at work. I know some of you don't have work because you can't get a job right now. I know there's trouble in life. I know there's things to be vexed about in life and worry about and be anxious about, but you also have to remember that you were created by a God who loves you, who puts you on this earth, not by accident, but by appointment. In 2022, with all the things that could be vexing in your life, he's put you here with a purpose and the sun's out and you have another day and we should rejoice in that and not go towards sin and not YOLO, not just go crazy in life, but we should rejoice in God as our creator. I was thinking about it this week as I met with uh, two of our interns who are graduating seniors. They're, they're two of the people we honored just a little bit ago, Gabby and Izzy. And some of you guys know Gabby and Izzy personally. I can see it on your faces as you smile about them right now because they are amazing. Sound to production to worship, they have made a huge impact on our church in just four years. Talk about making the most of your days and your youth. They have done that. And this week, they wanted to get lunch with me as they near the end. And to be real honest with you, they just blitzed me with every hard question you can imagine in life. Uh, but it was amazing. It was, it was awesome just to talk about these things with them. And they asked me, like, how do you make decisions in life? How did you know you were called to ministry? And really, a lot of their questions revolved around this idea of calling in life. Because they are in that place of youth where they're making decisions. Where do we live? Who do we marry? What job do we take? How do we know what to do? And some of you, you may be in that situation in life. Some of you, you may remember those seasons of life where it was just like, you're looking for the one. 
Like the one spouse, the, the one job, the one city. And with that comes a lot of vexation. It comes a lot of worry and anxiety. Am I make, and it removes the, the joy from your life. And so I'll tell you what I told them that I believe will help all of us no matter what stage of life we are in. We don't need to overthink these decisions, these choices, these seasons of life. We need to enjoy them in light of our creator. So how do we do that? Here's, here's the four things I gave them. You can write these things down as you approach decisions in your life. I just told them, hey, you wanna think through this grid of the first thing is, is this good? Like, is this decision, is this person, is this job, is this city, like, is this good? Is it morally good or, or is there inherent evil that I can see? Like some of y'all who are single, you're like, hey, he looks good, but he ain't good, right? You talk to his friends and they're like, he's a different person in private than he is in public. He doesn't have integrity. But you're like, but he goes to church and he, he prays really eloquently. He's not good. You can scratch them off the list first thing, right? Some of you, there's jobs in front of you that pay a lot of money and have great benefits, but you know if you work at that place, you're gonna have to work 80 hours to the detriment of your family. And let me just tell you, that job is no longer good if that's the case. Your family is your first ministry, right? So is it good, that job, that decision, is it, is it good or is it bad? Let's say it's good. You go to the next thing. You start to assess in your life. Do I have a passion and a giftedness for this? For this person, for this job, for this decision, for this area of my life? Do I have a passion and giftedness for this? And then the next thing you go to is opportunity. See, the reality is some of you may think like, again, with relationships, you may be looking outside and be like, well, this, this person is good. Like they're good looking and they, they go to church and they actually love Jesus. And, and you're like, well, that's great. And you have a passion for that person and you're attracted to them. There's chemistry there. But the reality is some of you don't have something very important, opportunity. See, some of you are single, I ask you like, well, who's the guy for you or who's the girl for you? And what you describe to me is the person you're stalking on Instagram, not a person you actually know in real life. And that's not God's will for your life, right? That's not following your heart. You don't have opportunity. Some of you, you have the perfect job constructed in your mind, but nobody's offering that job to you. And that could be God saying, hey, hold on for a second. And so you wanna look at, is it good? You guys follow me on this? Is it good? You have a passion and a giftedness. Do you have opportunity? The last one, I believe it's one of the most important. Do you have affirmation from wise, godly counsel? Can they come along and, and agree with you in your community group, in your Bible study, in, in this church and say, Tim, yes, this is good. Hey, yes, I see this. I can affirm this passion and giftedness in your life. Hey, I can affirm there is opportunity in your life. And, and all of that comes together. And this is a way that you can rejoice and enjoy life as you remember God and not go down in a hole of vexation that Solomon talks about and worry and anxiety for every decision you make. Some of us, we just overthink it. And therefore we have no joy in life. And so there's some parameters, just really practically, as we look at, hey, we're getting older. How do we make the most out of today? How do we make the most out of these decisions? How do we just recognize the sun is out and enjoy life and relationships and job and the city in which we live? These are some practical ways you can do that. See, as, as we look at this, we need to stop and ask, hey, we're all getting a little bit older. Are you enjoying life as you remember God? Are you wasting it away? 
and worry and anxiety about every decision and every choice you make. That's not God's will for your life. He wants you to enjoy him and one another. Here's the second thing in the the next two imperatives that Solomon gives us is to not just rejoice and remember, but to fear and keep. Fear and keep, fear and keep or obey. We see that in verse nine. Look at that verse with me. Solomon says this, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, be aware, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So how do we live lives that, that make each day count as we get older? We fear and we keep or obey. Specifically, Solomon is talking about obeying the word of God. Uh, you notice he talks about collected sayings given by the one shepherd. He talks about Proverbs. Solomon wrote many of our Proverbs, but he's also talking about truth in the Bible in general. And I think what's interesting is he says, hey, beware of other books. But you need to study this book. See, the reality is we had kids on stage this morning and it was very cute, but they were singing the words of God. Like I've heard those words every day for the last few weeks at my house. And sometimes I'm like, can we move on from Hosanna, Hosanna? It's like a swing on the pendulum. I'm not sure why I don't like that song as much, but it's, it's the words of God. Hosanna means God save us. It's what the people were yelling out on Palm Sunday, this day that we remember that Jesus rode in on a donkey and people were saying, Hosanna, save us, save us. And so I've gotten to talk with my kids about God's word just through that song. You need to know, parents that are in this room, volunteers who work with kids or youth, this is what we need to teach our kids, the word of God. There's a lot of books they're reading at school and they may be helpful, but they won't be powerful to change their life for all of eternity, amen? There's lots of things as they get older and my daughter's getting older that she reads on Instagram and on social media, but that will not change her life. In fact, that could wreck her life and I wanna invade her spaces in her mind and in her heart and in her life and in her decisions with the word of God, amen? And if you work with our kids, if you don't work with our kids, come on and let's work with them and teach them the word of God. And beware of some of the other books, but teach them God's book. If they wanna make the most out of their days, that's how it's going to happen. If you and I wanna make the most out of our days, that's how it's gonna happen. It's saturating your mind and your heart with the words of God. How do you rejoice and remember God? How do you remember God? You remember his word. You, you know it. It's on the tip of your tongue. When you're, when you're having that emotional reaction, you think about God's word. When, when you're in the conflict with your spouse, when you're, when you're trying to figure out, hey, my, my bones are aching. My body is hurting. Like life is not that fun. You think about, you anchor in the word of God. But it's not just information, it's transformation. Right, what does Solomon say? Fear God 
and keep or obey his commandments. He's talking about embracing the wonder of God and enacting the wisdom of God. It's not just knowing some things about God. It's doing what he says. He says, hey, this is the whole point. This is the whole point of rejoicing in life and remembering God. This is the whole point of the book of Ecclesiastes in this life under the sun. How do you have meaning? How is your life more than a puff of smoke? You fear God. You embrace the wonder of God by reading his word and learning about him, how magnificent he is, how, how big he is, how much bigger than you he is. And you embrace the wonder of God and you start to enact the wisdom of God in your life. You do what he says. This is how it works. It's not just about information. It's about transformation. And you see, there's a lot at stake in this for us. Not not only are our days going by getting darker, not only are all of us, no matter what your age is, not only are all of us getting a little bit older, just a little bit closer to death. Not not only that, but Solomon says a word that some of you are wondering, is he gonna address this? He says a word twice that gets your attention. It's the word judgment. Did you see that word judgment? He says specifically at the end, he's gonna judge every good and evil deed in your life. A lot at stake. Are you going to rejoice and remember God in life? Are you going to forget God? Are you going to go your own way? Are you going to fear God and keep his commandments? Or do you write on your your own tablet of your heart, your own commandments? And here's the way I'm going to live my life. And here's the way I'm going to marry this person. And here's the way I'm going to engage this conflict. And here, I just kind of do things this way. Tim, do you know my Enneagram? Do you know my Myers-Briggs? This is just kind of how I'm wired and how I live my life. Or are you going to fear God and keep his commandments? There's a lot at stake. And that should sober us. You see, I think here, here's what we do oftentimes with fear God as pastors and communicators and even commentators is we kind of, we try to dampen it, right? Immediately we say, it's not really fear like terror. It's more like reverence. How many of you have heard that? And we're going to get to that. I think there is some truth to that. But there is a reality that you have a God of the universe who created everything and is sustaining it by the power of his very word. There's a reality to that that is kind of scary about the power he has. Right? That's, do, do you believe that? Do you believe that's who our God is? He's powerful. That's why you see in all these points in scripture, when God comes full in his glory and man meets him, here's what always happens. They fall on their face or on their knees. They fall because there's a fear of this this God who is over the heavens and the earth, but also over our lives. And so the reality is some of us should have our view of God checked. We, We think, well, I got the shirt. Jesus is my homeboy. He's my best friend. He's also your God. Do you see him that way? Do you approach your days that way? Or do you act like God of your days? 
But then there is also like realizing that and reading God's word and being transformed by God's word and obeying his word that you do start to have some awe of God. That you do get some, some healthy fear of God and see that he, he, he sees everything in my life. You see, I think many of us, we're depressed and secure and anxious. You know why? Some of us, we say it, nobody sees me. Nobody sees what I do at work every day. It doesn't matter. Nobody sees what I come home and do at night. Nobody sees what I do in my relationships. Like, my life just doesn't matter. And here's what Solomon just told you. God sees it all. And some of you, that scares you. Some of you, that needs to give you meaning and comfort in life. It needs to give you urgency. Yeah, he sees everything. To, so resist those evil ways. Start participating. Have some confidence in the, the good ways in your life. God sees both of them. Amen? It gives value to everything you do. Some of you think, well, I, nobody knows about this. It's a hidden sin. We even phrase it that way. There's no hidden sins, but there's also no hidden good works. God sees both. And some of us, we, we get really excited about that with, with other people, like the evil in the world. And there's like Russia and Ukraine and, and there's racism and there's violence and there's all these things going on. And what we should take comfort in is that God is a just God. He is going to bring judgment that nothing goes unpunished in God's economy. He either punishes it at the cross or he punishes it in hell. So some of you that have been hurt by other people, maybe you need to take comfort in the judgment of God. But you also need to take comfort and urgency in your own life. See, here's the reality. We know 66 books. We know New Testament and Old Testament. We know Ecclesiastes, but we also know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know Jesus goes on. He rides in on this donkey and everybody is praising him and he's great and he's this king who's gonna save everybody. But then he ends up later in that week, he ends up on the cross and he takes your judgment on your behalf. All of your sin, past, present, and future, all of your sin of commission and omission, he takes it upon himself. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, not if you went to church, not if you knew some religious things, not if you participated in Lent, but if you have placed your faith in Jesus, that he takes the judgment of a holy God upon himself and you don't have to receive that. And so as you read Ecclesiastes and hear about the judgment of God, you can take comfort. God judges me in light of the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Amen. That's true for all of us. And so as you see this, this judgment, you need to see it through that lens. And some of you who don't know Jesus, but you've just gone to church all your life, you need to be terrified. But you don't stop there. You need to let that terror bring you to faith and give up all of your good works and all of your evil ones and give them up to Jesus Christ. Like that's before you today. That's the opportunity of Easter. That's the opportunity of every Sunday. So Solomon says, hey, how do you wanna make the most of your life? You, you rejoice and you remember God. You, you fear God in a healthy way and you keep his commandments in your life. This is how you make the most of your days. And you need to know this is what will anchor you in life. As you fear God in this way, as you remember him, as you live your life, all of your other fears in life, they start to be diminished. I saw this in real time this week on Friday. Many of you know, uh, my dad uh, was diagnosed with cancer around Thanksgiving. 
in his esophagus. He has a tumor in his esophagus and they needed to get it out. And thank you, many of you, for praying for my dad. He wanted me to let you know Thank you. One of the first things he said after his surgery is, can you thank the church on Sunday in his raspy voice because of the surgery? And so thank you for praying for my dad. Um, By God's grace, most of the tumor came out. They think like 90% of it and the prospects are very good. So praise God. Amen. So dad, I shared it. Okay. Um, And the first service, I couldn't hold it together. So I'm gonna try to do it this service. But before he had the surgery, I was on the phone with him and my wife and I, we prayed for my dad. And uh, my dad asked me, Tim, are you afraid? And um, I started to cry then. I'll probably start to cry now because um, the first service didn't get it all out. Um, See, real-time illustrations are harder to give. I should rethink this. Um, I started to cry then because I just thought, Dad, you're about to go into surgery, not me. And you're asking if I'm afraid? And I said, that, that's crazy. And he said, well, Tim, I just, I know, I know who my God is. And I know he's in control. And he started to quote scripture in the midst of this crisis and chaotic moment where he could fear death. He could fear the cancer. He didn't fear those things. Get this. He feared God. Who's in control of all those things? And he knew God had him before the surgery, not after it went well. That's how we make the most of our days. If you're young, if you're old, if you're facing cancer, or if you're facing the car accident that you don't even know that's coming for you, that's how we make the most of our days. We anchor in the word of God We fear him for who he is. We embrace the wonder of God. We enact the wisdom of God in every single one of our days. And that's how you get to the end and look back and think, I made the most of my days. That's what it looks like. And so, hey, we're ending this book of Ecclesiastes and and we could just take it as information, but I pray it would be transformation in our lives. Specifically, as we end this, you have young and you have older people. You have some people in this room. Maybe you've gotten that call of cancer. Maybe you faced that surgery. We have some younger people in this room who have no idea what that's like, who are just trying to choose their spouse and their college and their career. And my prayer for our church, and even as I read this, as we talked about the younger getting older, my prayer for our church is that we would see these two, two groups of people merge, combine, live life together disciple one another, that that we would be a group of people who learn God's word, but also learn it from God's people. Whatever stage of life that you're in, that we would be a group of people who in a few weeks after Easter, we're gonna do a men's study and a women's study. And we're doing these studies specifically in addition to our community groups because we wanna provide a place, an avenue where our older men can be with our younger men and our older women can be with our younger women. Titus, the book of Titus on display in our church. We don't have to experience the pain in life that older people, you can share your pain that you've already experienced with our younger people. And younger people, you can ask our older people about not just their successes, but also their pain. And so a simple way to apply the book of Ecclesiastes, make, make the most of your days, sign up for our men's and women's studies. They start one week, two weeks after Easter, men's and then women's. Learn God's word, practice God's word, embrace an awe of him and do that with one another. Read the Lent devotional. Don't just show up to Easter and dress nice. Learn God's word. 
Be in awe of who he is. Remember him, anchor in him as you live your life. And let's do that together, amen? Let me pray. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for your word. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, God, I pray that we wouldn't just move forward, but God, we would embrace it. We would start to live it. And God, I just pray for these men and women as they, as they do start to count their days and realize they're not long for this earth. God, we would be a church, Phoenix Bible Church, that makes the most out of every single day. And we do that together, the people of God, around the spirit of God, around the word of God. And we would be a people that are in awe of you. God, that you are in complete control and we deserve punishment, we deserve judgment, but in your grace and in your love, you send Jesus Christ to take that upon himself and to give us life. God, may we have no other boast, not our age, not our, our pay in life, not, not our days. May we have no other boast other than Jesus. God, may we trust in him and live for him, for his glory, and we might get joy from that every single day of our lives, and we might spread that to other people on Easter and every other day. God, that's our prayer. We give this up to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.